We are so excited to announce that we're going to be running a new motherhood support group. Starting September 8th, Sina and I will be leading a 10-part group to help reduce stress and cope with the challenges of new motherhood. This workshop offers new moms with babies from zero to one weekly group sessions that cover issues such as body image, the impact of motherhood on relationships and identity, mindful parenting, and self-care. The new motherhood support group will provide a space for connection, safety, and empowerment as we embark on the journey of parenting together. You will leave this workshop with a better understanding of motherhood and friendships with other new moms. The workshop will start September 8th and be on Thursdays from 12 to 1.30 p.m. You can register on Eventbrite, link to our website and Instagram at lovelink.co, or email us at info at lovelink.co if you want to learn more. Hope to see you there. It's not that I felt scared. It's that I didn't have words and didn't fully know what had happened until I was in the taxi leaving. It was like, it took me some processing time to be like, oh, that was assault. Welcome to Lovelink, your guide to love and sex in all forms. We're your hosts, Simone Humphrey and Sina Simon. Our guest today is a 34-year-old interior designer and art director who has extensive experience exploring online dating. Through her dating adventures, experience of numerous dating apps, and understanding texting rapport, she has guided many friends through navigating the often daunting cyber world of love and transitioning into real-life relationships. Thanks for joining us, Nell Taylor. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Nell. So tell us a little bit about your early dating experiences. You know, how did you get started with with online dating? What prompted you to seek the internet? Well, I graduated from college uh, having never been on a date before. I went to an all-girls high school, a boarding school for high school, and I went to a small liberal arts college where there were a lot of gay guys, and there wasn't much of a dating culture at all there. There was um, very little flirting, in fact, and the girls who really did best there were girls who had a lot of experience and were really comfortable taking charge in um, a way that I never really was uh, at that point in my life. So when I graduated, I was sort of floundering in my early 20s. I didn't have uh, the kind of career where I was in an office full of men. I didn't have friends who had a lot of male friends. And I would meet guys at parties and, you know, think I was flirting with them. But then they'd introduce me to their girlfriend. You know, it wasn't... um, just didn't seem like there were any options. Like I never really met any real prospects. And so this was probably 2009. And uh, uh, actually my boss at the time had met her husband on match.com. And she was like, you have to go on. And so she was in her 50s. But I was like, okay, you know, I'll do it. I'll try it. Because it didn't really seem like I, you know, there was any better options. So it was sort of embarrassing at first, but I joined up and 
it seemed like the type of thing that like divorced women would do or you know it wasn't it this was before okay cupid who where that sort of just opened it up to millennials and 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 made it like the thing that everybody does but it was a little weird at first and i was a little embarrassed about it like i only my closest friends knew i was doing it what apps are you on right now uh happen is the one where i get a lot of matches I have real conversations with the guys and and it's led to a lot of dates. And the premise of Happen is that it's done by your GPS location, which sounds kind of creepy. It's like it shows you all the guys you've crossed paths with. Do you ever see those guys on the street? There are people who I recognize um, and I'm like, I don't know if I know that guy from an app or if I actually know that guy or if he's on TV or... Everyone just looks familiar. Yeah. But I, it's not, you know, I go, this is New York City. I'm on the subway all the time, you know, and now there's Wi-Fi or like signal in the subway. So you get, you know, you stop at the Fulton stop in, in the financial district and suddenly it's like... Financial bros. <laughs> corporate, 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 corporate. And then you're, you know, go to Williamsburg and it's really hipster. And then you're, you know, in my, in my neighborhoods, it's, it's a far more diverse crowd. But um, yeah, then you're like driving upstate and as you go, you're like, oh, the guys in Yonkers are... <laughs> And um, it's it's uh, funny. You really do see the demographics change neighborhood neighborhood. All right. So let's hear your profile. Okay. Well, mine sort of centers on the fact that it's this GPS thing. And so I say, this seems like a cool new way to get a stalker. I like reading, throwing dinner parties, attending dinner parties, and I carry mace. I'm not looking for casual stalkers, only serious stalkers who are funny and bookish. Ooh. Nice. So walk us through your decision about this particular description. You know, I liked the idea of, you know, since I'm not looking for a casual relationship, I want something real. I liked the idea of calling it a serious stalker versus a casual stalker. And it ended up working out really well because it's an easy opening for guys. People always write me some sort of stalking joke. Like, I'd like to apply for this position of stalker. Or, or. <laughs> Did you continue talking with that guy? Oh, absolutely. You play along being like, well, what are your qualifications? <laughs> Get into some banter with them. Yeah, it's a good, you know, it's an easy opening. And it's that's very accessible. Need. Yeah. Which is you want something that's welcoming. You want to be seen as you're not taking yourself too seriously, but you're looking for something serious. That's the way I interpret your profile. And I don't actually carry mace. No. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. So like the apps you describe, or I guess they were websites, apps, match.com, OkCupid, had like a laundry list of questions oh that God. you had to answer. And now it's just you know, six photos and a little short paragraph. And in some ways, you know just as much from that short little description and some photos as you do from, you know, an OkCupid or a Match.com. They asked me so many weird questions on that OkCupid thing about, like, there were IQ questions. There were... <laughs> what is your IQ? <laughs> no, no. There was, like, which is bigger, the sun or the earth? <laughs> and if you could look and see... When you looked at somebody's profile, you could see what questions 
you guys differed on and it was sort of like if you differed on that one you're like okay this guy's an idiot (laughs) um but it actually it just was a waste of time like you i you would spend so long looking at there's too much to look at at these profiles when really like if the person's not smart you can figure out that out that pretty quickly and if they um are really christian really religious in some way they will if that's important to them they will say it you know and so you don't need to ask a series of like a hundred questions to suss out your personality and maybe it actually weeds out people that you might have otherwise been a good match with you just maybe differ in certain values or you have different beliefs and yeah. if you had gotten together. Yeah, maybe my soulmate is an evangelical Christian. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Could be. Walk us through an ideal texting conversation that would lead up to a date for you. It's usually just some sort of banal banter. If I can find some sort of witty thing about their photo to say or Sometimes it's more sincere, like something we have in common based on something they're writing. But I try to make it specific. And if I can't think of anything to say to this person or if they just write back like one word response and they're not moving a cover- the conversation forward at all, then I just say screw it. How do you end it if, it, if it's not – if you feel like, ah, I don't want to meet this person um, – how do you end it in the text? Oh, you just stop responding. You just ghost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not ghosting because you've never met this person before. And I mean, think of how many, I mean, I write so many messages that get, get no response whatsoever. I have conversations that end in the middle of, you know, I'll say the last thing and then I'll never hear from that person again. It's just the way it is. And I'm not offended when they do it to me. And I doubt people are offended when I do it to them. Did you ever feel offended in the beginning when you were um, starting the online dating process? Like, whoa, this person isn't responding to me. What is that about? I think in the very beginning, I took everything personally just because I was very insecure. And I would get sort of excited about somebody who seemed like a normal human. I'm like, oh, maybe I could go on a date with this guy. And if they weren't interested in me, I would think, I'm not pretty enough. Maybe I'm too young. I'm not cool enough. I mean, I would put it all on myself when the fact of the matter is there are a million reasons why. It could be that they're not actually that active on the app. They're not really looking at it or using it very much. It could be that they are like not that interested. They look at me and they think, oh, well, you know, she seems like she, she seemed cute, but I don't really have anything to say to her. I don't have anything to write back to this. Or, you know, there's so many reasons and it's it's not because I'm ugly and stupid. Well, I imagine this is what a lot of people feel, you know, when, when they f- experience rejection online and get anxious, they lose touch with reality because you start to make up all these ideas about well it sounds like you do a really good job of not taking it personally if they don't respond and i'm also wondering if you try to take a kind of non-attached approach to any of the guys you might be having a conversation with oh yeah i go in when i first meet somebody i go in very unattached and i basically have very low expectations for every first date i've ever been on only because you really don't know i some of the best first dates i've had have been with guys who did not seem 
any better than anyone else. They just seemed like, okay, maybe. And they see there was something about them that I thought felt was relatable somehow. And so I went out with them and then turns out they're great, really funny, really fun to talk to, uh, really personable, really handsome. You know, those things you can get hints of from, from the photos and from the profile, but you can't really tell exactly. So um, I've gone out with guys who looked like they were going to be really hot and interesting, and they were neither. You know, you just have, you only have a little bit to go on. And even though those things can be telling, and it's an important initial uh, weeding out process, there's still, like, it's so important to just suss it out in person and just to see. Do you think there's any cost of going into a date with having such low expectations? Maybe. I think once I get going in a conversation, I can get pretty enthusiastic. But it's self-preservation. How can you be really excited about a stranger? And... To, to sort of trick yourself into thinking that this person's going to be really great, you don't really know. So excitement is just as false as low expectations. You know, it's you don't know anything. And so when you're meeting somebody for the first time, it's probably, you know, I go in thinking this is probably going to be meh. But pretty much most, almost every date I've been on has been like, well, that was a perfectly fine way to spend an evening. You know, this isn't love. This isn't a true match. I'm probably not going to see that person again, but I don't regret having spent the last hour, you know, sitting at a bar with that person. What's the best date you've ever been on? I think I've been on a couple of dates where I left just thinking, well, that was like a kind of conversation I would have with any of my closest friends. You know, that was an easy, fun, jokey, laughy conversation. And like, you can't ask for more than that. There have been, I've gone on dates where like, you end up doing something more spontaneous, like going someplace else, like going, like suddenly you're at a karaoke bar with some guy you don't know, and you're singing and you know, and you know, that was like funny. And sure, I went along with it. But it was and it was the circumstances that were kind of funny. It's better when you're actually having fun because that person is just great. So it sounds like it has less to do with the environment and the context and more to do with the chemistry, the connection. Yeah, so I really have no problem with just meeting somebody at a bar and sitting down and talking to them. Have you had any disturbing dates? Yes. I've had only, only one where I left kind of upset. Um... It was this guy who I met on Hinge, who is the, um, so it's like through Facebook friends, but he was a third party. Like he, his Facebook friends with, was friends with one of my Facebook friends or something like that. So basically just total stranger, but he seemed interesting. He was very successful in a field that interests me kind of he was a creative director in advertising and his um portfolio like he had his website there and his portfolio was really impressive i was like very impressed with his body of work and he was young and very successful for his age so that i was like 
so I went in kind of excited just based on that. And he was personable, but pretty soon on, he started talking about how he'd had like an easy, open sexual relationship with some woman. He was talking about how like it's so nice how you can just have, you know, low pressure sexual relationships. And that is like, I think, a pretty weird thing to launch into on a first date with a stranger. But I think I was in this mode where I was like, well, I, this guy, there's, there's cool things about this guy. I want him to like me. And I'm not a prude, you know, like, sure, we can talk about this, you know. And so even though it raised, raised some alarm bells that he was making things sexual so early, it wasn't like he was making a pass at me, a strong pass at me, but he was talking about sex in a way that was sort of like opening things up without my realizing it. It was opening the situation up to more sexual stuff um, just by talking about this other thing that had nothing to do with me. And he, you know, was like started touching my leg and stuff, but I didn't really, I wasn't sure about him but I wasn't like, this guy's a creep for sure. So I was going along. I was flirting. I was having a nice time and and having fun. So he, after that drink, he wanted me to come to his apartment. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. You're a stranger from the internet. You know, like, no way. Um, but he had chosen this bar because it was pretty much downstairs from his apartment. So we were outside and I realized that I was standing in front of his house and he, you know, we had a kiss, which I don't normally do on the first date, but because he'd opened things up to him far more, you know, he'd opened things up to like third date conversation. So it didn't seem super weird to have a kiss with him. And I wasn't gonna, I was like, well, you know, all guys want you to go into their apartment. So I wasn't gonna super hold hold that against him at that moment. But then he suddenly had me against the wall of his building and his hands were like down my pants and his finger went up my vagina. Wow. And I always thought that in a moment like that, that I would have this like amazing Angela Bassett moment where I'd be like, hell to the no. And like, you know, rise up and my, you know, my feminist like inner power would unleash itself. But instead I shrank and... Sounds traumatic. And got in a taxi feeling like looking back at the date and the whole conversation and being like, oh, that was dumb of me not to realize where that was going. But I really didn't realize that's where it was going. And it sounds less dumb on you and more manipulative on him. Yeah, it was really manipulative. But I told, yeah, I, t I fell prey to it. And I was really embarrassed that I'd fallen prey to it. And good for you that you didn't go upstairs. It's not that I felt scared. It's that I didn't have words and didn't fully know what had happened until I was in the taxi leaving. It was like, it took me some processing time to be like, oh, that was assault. There was a boundary that was crossed in a major well, way. Well, it sounded like it slowly built up to that too, 
where every boundary kind of pushed. Yeah, like I wasn't shocked to be kissing him. I, I, you know, I consented to the kiss, you know, and it just, it's like, where do you draw the line? Like when, you know, it was creepy. Yeah. And I imagine that's not an uncommon experience. I think women are more vulnerable in the online dating world than men are. Yeah, definitely. But I have been on a lot of dates, and that's the only time anyone really seriously crossed a line. Like, I've gotten sort of douchey vibes from people before and and thought, okay, I'm not going to go out with this person again, but never really dangerous. I think it's more remarkable how infrequently it's happened to me, given on how many dates I've been on. But... Um, which is like, I guess a sad way of framing it, but, uh, yeah, you really have to be smart and careful about it. And if something does happen to you, it's not because you were dumb and not careful. It's, it's just, you have to protect yourself. And I think it's a pretty good rule for every woman just not to go into a stranger's apartment. And I know like in with this hookup culture and Tinder and stuff, it's sort of it's it's like a lot of women are really comfortable with it, but I'm just not like I think basically it's a good idea not to go to somebody's apartment until you're ready to have sex with them just because it can be hard to turn on the brakes when you want to I don't know it's it's you you know you're allowed to turn on the brakes whenever you want to and can any way you want to but um for me I think keeping things public for a few dates is important and just getting comfortable with that person like I don't want to be sort of embarrassed when I'm going into somebody's apartment or I or feel bashful about anything. I want to like know this person. And now I'm seeing their apartment and being like, oh, this is interesting. So this is where you live. You know, for me, th- things end up better for me if, if that's the way I do it. But, not, you know, nothing against women who just feel like, oh, I need to get laid tonight and find somebody to do it. Well, I think a lot of women some women want to just get laid yeah and some feel pressured that if they are in the apartment they go up to a guy's apartment that then all of a sudden there's this expectation that sex has to happen and sometimes it feels hard to say no or let the other person down or disappoint or somehow you felt like you've been misleading if you don't right 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 which shouldn't be the case and yet i think a lot of women do feel that way yeah i've even done the thing where I'll be like, yeah, I'll come up, but just, you know, we're not going to have sex. (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? They still try? Or you still want to? It's just like things, you know, like your mood changes. Suddenly you're inside and it's cozy and you're like, oh, I don't want to go outside. I want to, you mean I have to like go home tonight? Like (laughs) it's, it's, there's so many parts of the equation that, you know, make you make those decisions but for me I think it's good just to like put it off a little while make sure you really like the person 
and just don't invite them into your apartment and don't go to their apartment until you're ready for things to go there. It just makes it easier. We invite you to spend the next few moments to just listen. Brought to you by Non, spelled N-O-N, the sound meditation app for iPhone, where no two sessions are alike. I'm curious how you feel you've changed personally uh, over the course of online dating, the years that you've been online dating. Yeah. Well, I think it would definitely be possible for this process to have completely broken me because I've been doing it for a long time and it's not like, you know, I'm engaged. (laughs) It's not like I've met the love of my life on this. And so there have, I have gone through moments where I had to take breaks, just mental health breaks. Um, And I did uh, see a therapist for a while, basically because I felt like there must be something wrong with me. Like if I haven't been able to get into a real serious relationship, and at that point I was like 29 or something and I'd never had a real relationship, I thought I'm the the only, you know, common thread in all of these scenarios. So I need to like find out what's what I'm doing. And, you know, my supportive girlfriends are like not going to, tell me or or don't know and so I actually sought out a male therapist because I had plenty of supportive female voices in my life and I um, saw him for about a year and um, I talked to him about a lot of things not just dating but I you know I went in and told him like this is why I'm seen you because I've I've never had a real boyfriend and I like feel like something has to be wrong with me and he you know spent a lot of time with me and sort of like in the end he was like I don't think there's anything wrong with you I don't think this is because I mean I think like he was like you've you know you got you did get a late start um and you have high standards but not you know not you're not like super negative about everybody you don't have unrealistic standards and um and he just made me realize that these are just my circumstances and and it's not because I'm not pretty and it's not because I just have a sort of unsexy quality that puts men off it's just my you know circumstances And I 
you know, stopped going to therapy and just felt really confident about myself. I felt really comfortable with the fact that I hadn't been in a serious relationship. I sort of had a story to frame it that made me feel okay and that like, you know, I don't mind being alone. So if I'd really hated being alone, I would have been in a relationship with somebody who wasn't that great a long time ago. And instead, this is just who I am and I'm going to wait for somebody good. And, and, you know, now I have been in a bunch of relationships, nothing really serious or long-term, but I've gotten a lot of practice in and I feel like, you know, eventually I'm going to meet somebody really good. I don't think I have crazy high expectations. I'm not looking for my soulmate. I'm just looking for a really good partner, a good guy who's smart and fun to be around. And it sounds like it must have been so healing to hear that you're normal from a guy, from a male therapist. It was. And it wasn't even, I mean, it wasn't like I needed to seek his approval. It wasn't like the kind of male affirmation that I'd been looking for in dating, where I was just like, I just want this guy to like me. It wasn't like I wanted my therapist to have a crush on me or anything like that. I was just very happy to have an impartial observer who was a man to listen to my whole spiel for a while and really like get into it with me and then to come away with the opinion that that I'm not doing anything terribly wrong. It's just hard. I think that's really inspirational to our listeners too. I think a lot of people do settle because they'd rather be with someone than be alone. And sometimes they settle for someone that might not be a great partnership and that it's okay to be single and it's okay to kind of wait and find someone that really is a good fit. Yeah. Because life is long. And better to feel good about yourself and be single than feel awful about yourself and be in a terrible relationship. But I mean, and tell me if I'm wrong, though. Isn't every married couple settling on something? Of course. So like, I'm not I'm not saying, you know, wait for the absolute perfect person. Um, that probably doesn't exist. But I, I'm i just waiting for somebody great. They don't have to be perfect, but they need to be great. Have your expectations for romantic love shifted over time? Because what you're talking about now is looking for somebody great, but also acknowledging that that one person isn't going to be able to meet all of your needs and everybody sacrifices something. There's no such thing as perfection. Yeah, I think my expectations have changed just in the fact that I've gotten older. I'm 34 now. And so... I always assumed that I would date a guy for like a year or so, then maybe move into with each other, date, you know, live together for a few years, then get married, be married for like a year and then maybe have a kid. And now I realize that timeline isn't going to be, that's not my going to be my story. And that's my parents' story. That's my sister's story. That's the story of like a lot of my girlfriends. I mean, long-term live-in boyfriends who they eventually marry. Um, but it's not going to be mine. And so I think, you know, when I was younger, I was far more open to anybody. But now it's more like, well, I'm looking for a real partner. And, you know, that just I'm not just looking to have a good time so um when I was younger it was like any new experiences seemed valuable because I didn't have any experiences really but now I have 
plenty of experiences. And now I'm just looking for like something real. So many women, when they start to approach their mid-30s and think about potentially having children, start to feel a pressure of finding a partner and wanting to settle down. And I'm wondering if that's been a pressure for you and if that's impacted the way you see your dating life. It definitely has. I think all women are aware of um, the short opening that they have in their lives to their like reproductive (laughs) lives and um what I have had to do is trick myself into not thinking about it when I'm dating because I don't think any good can come up from me being intense on a date and thinking is this guy going to be the father of my children like first do you like this person? (laughs) Does he like you? Like jumping the gun on that is not going to help anybody. It's only, it can only ruin something that is potentially good. So, uh, I have played mind games with myself to keep it casual in my head when I'm first meeting somebody. Um, but yeah, that stuff is ultimately always in the back of my head. And I did decide this year to freeze my eggs because it's really fucking expensive. But, um, but you know, it seems like a worthwhile way of spending your savings because, um, you know, it's really hard to find love. And I definitely never thought that I would still be single at this point in my age because I thought people who were, there was something wrong with them. And now I realize that's not true and that it's really hard. So I'm literally buying myself some more time. Do you disclose the fact that you want children and also that you're freezing your eggs? Well, the egg freezing thing is pretty new. So that part, no. On a date, no. What about the desire to have children? When, when do you disclose that if you disclose that to a guy? It generally comes up organically somehow um if if you're talking about somebody else's kids and or you're talking about your own childhood it's a pretty easy way to throw in there well I know like when I have kids this is you know the way I'm gonna do things or this is what I think will happen that's pretty easy and wait to see how they respond usually um it's I usually get a, well, yeah, when I have kids response. That way of throwing it in just shows like this is what I plan on doing just so you know. And, you know, know, a lot of guys also plan on eventually having kids. They just don't want to go on a date with somebody who's like got the ticking clock and is like, when when is this going to happen? And so it's a weird dance of, of, being honest about what you're looking for, but not being overly intense and scary about it. Because a guy also doesn't want to be used just for children. I went on a date with a guy who actually said to me, I've built my empire and now I'm looking to build my family. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And I had already decided that I didn't really like him. So I'm I'm like, read the room, man. (laughs) 
like good for you i'm glad you know what you want but you're like don't say this to me so you know like guys can do it too but and there is going to be a girl who's going to be very excited to hear that guy say that it just wasn't me and you know did he get the blank stare by Bye. <laughs> no. Well, I think I told him to hold his horses. And <laughs> and I don't remember how we ended it, but it might have been a like, bye. He 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 definitely followed up for a second date and I think I had to say I wasn't really feeling it. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So do you ever think about stopping online dating? Have you ever had moments where You've said enough with this. Yeah, I definitely need to take breaks sometimes because if I've experienced a string of rejections, like disappointments, um, then I need to take some time to kind of just do something else. And when you do take these breaks, I mean, what do you do to kind of re-nourish yourself and get you motivated again to go back on? It's really been about, you know, my I, I did this for the first time because my sister suggested it to me. She was like, you're just kind of gloomy right now. And I just think you need to switch up the narrative. It's like, ha- she literally said, you need new voices in your head. And it wasn't like you need to read a bunch of self-help books. It was you need to just read about other people who are thinking about life in different ways. And I have done it by like, I read that book about spinsterhood, which really I did not like. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember who wrote that book. Was it called spinsterhood? It was called spinster, I think. I don't know if those are good voices. (laughs) That was a bad voice. No, because she took it as like a female empowerment. Like, I don't want, she she was not in a relationship because she chose not to be in a relationship. And I was like, well, I want to be in a relationship and I can't find one. So I'm in a very different position. So that kind of thing I found depressing. But um, I read The Examined Life by Stephen Gross, which um, is a psychotherapist's account of, you know, different cases he's had in his very long career. And none of them were about what I was going through, but it was just interesting to read about other people (laughs) and not focus quite so much on my romantic life and it's not like I didn't think about myself at all when I was reading these people's stories but it was just it just shook things up a little bit in my head and and really helped and it's a beautiful book it reads like literature just like lovely vignettes of these accounts he's had with different patients i really recommend it but there's something that sounds important about the idea of the story like the story you tell yourself the narrative you have for yourself yeah i mean that book about you know the the stories of the people in that book didn't really help me frame my own story in any way it was just nice not to focus on my story so much, I think. But I think you're exactly right that we all have these stories that we tell ourselves and we can either tell ourselves a like really good version or a pretty sad version. And it takes work to keep the story that you tell yourself like kind of positive and realistic and honest, but like, you know, we can be tough on ourselves. 
Well, it sounds like you had a pretty pivotal shift between telling yourself there's something wrong with me and this is why I don't have a long-term relationship versus this is my circumstance. And then that really sort of relieved a lot of pressure. It did. Also, I think um, I was always really embarrassed that I hadn't had a long relationship and it was something I was stressed to talk about with guys I was dating. Like my early relationships, I never wanted to ask them about their dating history because I didn't want to share mine. Uh, Because I thought they would think, "Uh uh-oh, red flag. Like, what's up with this girl? But the first time that I did, I went out, I was dating this guy who was kind of intense and would ask a lot of questions. I think it was his way of handling his own social anxiety, actually, but it just meant that I was forced to, like, delve deep (laughs) and answer these questions. And I told him that I hadn't had a relationship longer than six months. And his response was, you've never had a boyfriend? And I was like, no, I've had a boyfriend. I I have, I have. It's just like, it hasn't really lasted long. I like, I just haven't gone out with anybody that great. And when I left that date, it was probably like a third or fourth date. Um, I like cried at home. I was, but it was like a, a release I felt even though he had the response that I did not want which was like shock and why and yeah, very rude <laughs> yeah poor response <laughs> um it was the you know the world didn't end you know and I was able to own that part of myself more in a more confident way and ever since I told him it's been f- much easier for me to talk about that you know, this is my situation and I'm not embarrassed by it. And right. you're not coming from it from a place of shame anymore. Yeah. 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 And it just took like breaking that seal and just saying it in this kind of intimate conversation. In a, I tried to make it sound casual, but <laughs> but it was it was good that I did. And if you have any of these things that you're, you know, really embarrassed by it's best to just talk about it more because then you'll be less embarrassed and you'll see that there was not a real, you were building it up in your head a lot. I think that's a, that's great advice for people because when we have these feelings of shame, they have so much power over us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually unwarranted. Sometimes people do terrible things and they deserve to feel shame. But <laughs> Rarely, but, though. Rarely. But usually people are making a bigger deal out of things than they need to be. So do you have any advice for single women navigating online dating? Stay strong. And stay, like, know what you're looking for, but also keep an open mind. It's a weird balance between you know, not going out with somebody who just is obviously like from a different planet than you um, and then being overly choosy. Like there's, it's a weird balance. You need to find what's right for you, but um, a combination of being open and also not wasting your time with people who are just like obviously not right and putting the hours in and actually doing it. There are times when I'll look, I'll have a bunch of matches and I need to start conversations with these matches that have been lingering in my inbox for a while and I'll open one and I'll just not really be able to think of anything. And then there will be another time where I'm just more energetic, like maybe I've had a coffee and I just 
rattle off 10 messages just like boom 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 just send them out I I just did a bunch of them so I don't care if they don't all respond like if I get four responses out of 10 messages that's great now I have four conversations going and maybe it'll lead to three dates um it's just about like giving yourself the time to get into the headspace where you can just okay I'm gonna ask these all these questions I'm just gonna send out a bunch and sometimes you're writing dumb things and you're like oh well (laughs) if they want to talk to me they'll respond to that dumb thing but like it's all I could think of so putting yourself out there yeah putting making the effort definitely but it takes energy and time and just even if you're just doing it for one hour it's very easy to just like swipe keep swiping swiping or I mean unhappen there's no swiping but just to like go through and continue shopping and then to have these matches and not do anything about it. Um, But just to, it's really important just to start those conversations and it can be hard to think of something to say, but just do it, push yourself to do it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, this was fun. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. To stay in touch with us, sign up for our quarterly newsletter at lovelink.co, where we share our favorite articles and resources about love, sex, and relationships. Also, in future episodes, we plan on answering listener questions. So if you'd like your questions featured on our show, send us a voice memo using the Anchor app or send it directly to our email, info at lovelink.co. And if you have a second, truly, the best way you can help support us is to rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Just scroll to the bottom of the Loveling show page and let us know what you think. We thank you all again so much for listening. We're truly touched you take the time out of your busy schedule for us. Until next time.